Good morning. We want to welcome you to Broadway 1109. We are so thankful and glad that you are with us this morning. As we begin our time of worship together, I'm going to invite you to listen to the words of Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. He alone does great wonders. His faithful love endures forever. He made the heavens skillfully. He spread the, the land on the waters. Say it with me. His faithful love endures forever. He made the great lights, the sun to rule by the day, the moon and stars to rule by the night. His faithful love endures forever. Now listen, as the psalmist gives us a brief history of God's faithfulness to the nation of Israel. Listen as he writes, He struck the firstborn of the Egyptians and brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. Say it with me. His faithful love endures forever. He divided the Red Sea and led Israel through, but he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. He led his people in the wilderness. He struck down great kings and gave their land as an inheritance to Israel, his servant. His faithful love endures forever. Now listen to our reconciliation. He remembered us in our humiliation, and he rescued us from our foes. He gives food to every creature. His faithful love endures forever. One last time, let's read it together. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. This morning as we enter into our time of worship, we're going to invite you to stand with us as we sing together. As we celebrate his faithful love, a love that never fails us. Let's sing together this morning. separate even if I ran away your love never fails whoa time out guys Huey I don't have click in my ears I'm sorry you know what let's start that one over without the tracks how about that let's sing this together Let's sing Nothing Can Separate. Nothing can separate Even if I ran away Cause your love never fails I know I know I still make mistakes You have new mercies for me every day Cause your love never fails Let's sing together, you stay. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, 
I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me and your love never fails. When the strong, when the strong and the waters deep, I'm not alone here on these open seas. Cause your love never fails The chasm was far too wide I never thought I'd reach the other side But your love never fails Sing it out, you say You said the same through the ages your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the ocean breaks, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. And your love never fails. Let's sing together, you make all things. You make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good make all things work together for my good you make all things work together for my good see now you say you say the same through the ages your love never changes There may be pain in the night But joy comes in the morning And when the oceans rage I don't have to be afraid Because I know that you love me Your love never fails Amen. You can have a seat. We are thankful that you are here this morning at Broadway 1109. We want to say a special welcome to you. If you're new with us, if you're a guest here, maybe this is your first time or your first time in a while, we hope you got a bulletin on your way in. Uh, that's got a lot of great information for you. But one thing that we want to call your attention to is the little perforated tab on the edge of that bulletin. If you would tear that out and fill it out for us, 
uh, and then you can drop it in the offering plate as it comes by here in just a moment. Or if you missed that, that's okay. There's another opportunity for you. You can leave it at our welcome desk located in the back of our sanctuary. Uh, that's our way of getting to know you a little bit better uh, and just learning how we can best minister to you and your family here at Broadway and uh, gives us a record of your visit. We hope you're paying attention to the screens and your bulletins as you come in and exit so that you can stay up to date on all that is happening here at Broadway. Uh, we've got some exciting things coming up. We'll call your attention to a couple of those later in the service this morning. Uh, but we want to make sure that you are staying up to date on all that we have got going on. Uh, we are excited about what God is doing in our midst and what is going to be uh, coming up over the next few days. I'm going to invite Mr. Steve Fratt. Steve is our deacon of the week uh, this week, and Steve is going to pray for us as we continue to worship together this morning. Let us pray. Most kind and gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, we humbly bow before you this morning, praising your name and thanking you for the opportunity to come into your house and to worship you. We thank you, Lord for the blessings that you have provided us. We pray, Lord, for the pastor this morning as he brings your message. We pray that we would take that message and use it to, for the furtherness of your kingdom. Forgive us, Lord, when we fail thee. And all these things we ask in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship together this morning. I cast my mind to Calvary Where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds, his hands, his feet My Savior on that cursed tree body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in joseph's tomb the entrance by heavy stone messiah still and all alone Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord our God. Then on the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Let's celebrate this morning. Oh, trample dead, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For in this day we will sing Your praise. 
sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints. My gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Sing together. For the King of Kings 
my ransom, my Savior, my refuge, my hiding place. Sing to him this morning. You're my helper, my healer, my blessed redeemer, my answer, my saving grace. You're my hope in the shadows, my strength in the battle, my anchor for all my days. And you stand by my side, and you stood in my place, Jesus, no other name. Only Jesus, no other name. thank you that you are worthy of any title that we can give you. Lord, our helper, our healer, our refuge. God, we thank you for the salvation that is found in you. Lord, we praise you this morning because you're worthy of it. Lord, as we move into our time of, of offering where we give back a portion of what you have blessed us with, Lord, we pray that we would give generously and that we would give, Father, with a cheerful heart. Lord, we pray that you would take our tithes and our offerings, our gifts, and that you would bless them to further your kingdom and your mission through our church here at Broadway. Lord, we love you. We thank you most of all for Jesus. It's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated for a moment as our ushers pass our offering plates. To the world you created, trading your crown for a cross. You willingly died, your innocent life paid the cost. Counting your status as nothing, a king of all kings came to serve. Washing my feet, covering me with your love. If more you means less me, take everything. Yes, all you is all I need. 
Stand and join us as we sing together this morning. You are my life and my treasure, the one that I can't live without. Here at your feet, my desires and dreams I lay down. Oh, here at your feet, my desires and dreams I lay
Lord, that's our prayer this morning. Lord, we want more of you. Whatever is hindering us in our lives, whatever is standing in the way of that, Lord, we pray that you would remove it. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Everybody talks about it. Everybody says they want to do it. But how many of us ever really take a giant leap of faith? I had never um, put missionaries in a box that was something I could be. This is Jensen. Jensen is a lot of things, and it's really hard to explain because it's a lifestyle. Jensen puts us, ready to leave home young people, into big cities all over North America. God has placed it all in my life to go where the gospel is not. Then, for a spring or fall or Christmas break, or even for a whole summer, Jensen takes care of everything so that we can focus on the main thing. I got to go out every single day with one sole goal, to share the gospel with the person sitting beside me. Jensen pairs us up with church plants and compassion ministries. You're actually seeing the people around you. And as we really see the world, we learn where and how we can live the rest of our lives as missionaries. Whether you're a teacher, a nurse, a doctor, an accountant, our large cities have a space for that. We want to take that leap of faith. We just need somebody to give us the opportunity. For you, for me, for our generation, that somebody is Jensen. show that video because today everybody uh, talks about once it. a month we kind of do uh we do or we do do a lunch for the college students and today is today so i think as chris was welcoming y'all if you're a college student here when this service is over you'll go down the stairs directly here below below us and we have lunch i believe it's chicken and dumplings today so that's uh today. i know you're already ready to eat but i want to share about that gen sin we are a missions church and um that we support the North American Mission Board there of the Southern Baptist Convention. If you're a college student, during spring break week, you can spend a week going to different cities, what we call Send Cities, and do missions work. And it's interesting, the closest Send City, there's one over, it's not Send City, but it's an area they take college students to, is in Ashland. Uh, North American Mission Board a few years ago selected Ashland to be the resource hub for the Appalachia region there for doing a ministry in that section. So you can actually just go right over there. But the application, if you want to do a, a six or eight week summer project, uh, the application is next month, February, or uh, not next, uh, so March 15th. And you can apply and you can select which city, such as Los Angeles, New York City, uh, Seattle, and you go there and you stay with church, North American Mission Board church planners, and you go into the community and uh, do witnessing as well as compassion ministries. It's great resource for college students. I know it's a, it's a great blessing, but I did want to pass it along. It's exciting to see our church certainly connect to that. Here in our church next month, Chris is bringing a group to Whitley City, Kentucky on a um, college mission trip during UK spring break. So that's coming up next month as well. So it's encouraged to see the good things going on uh, with our college ministry. If you do, you have more questions about Jensen, you can see myself or Chris, and we can certainly answer those with that. Open your Bibles to two different scripture passages this morning. The book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 5, and then flip over to the New Testament book of Luke, Luke chapter 19. Numbers 5 
and Luke 19. We are, this is the second part of a sermon series called Restore. And today we're talking about something that we really don't think about very much, but the Bible is actually very clear on. It's called restitution. And this is where we are expected, or not just expected, commanded in Scripture to pay back when someone has wronged us. Have you ever driven down the interstate or the highway? Or, I mean, you drive down Harrisburg Road and you see a billboard. And it's an attorney wanting you to call a 1-800 number because you've been a victim in a car wreck or you've been cheated out of your Social Security or you've been taken advantage of at work and you need to call this law office for what you get a free one-hour consultation and they will help you get millions. I'm sure you all have seen those. If you ever watch local TV, I know a lot of folks don't watch local TV anymore, but if you ever watch the local channels and you watch a commercial, half the commercials are actually attorneys, and they are telling you this 1-800 number to call, and the number's, number's like 1-800-FIGHT-FOR-MONEY, or get your money, and what it is, is you call Mr. Attorney, and he, he will go and fight for you in court to get you what you deserve. I'm sure y'all have seen that before. What they're doing is those attorneys are practicing restitution. Now, they're going through the court system and doing it. They're going to sue someone and make a judge order someone to pay. And then they take half of it, and you get the other half with that. So, but what, what it is, is we see this theme throughout Scripture in the Old and the New Testament restitution is when you and I have wronged someone. And then what happens is we are expected, we are commanded to pay them back. And the Bible is very clear about that. It's something that we have to learn. This is part of the restoration process. Many times uh, we do rest restitution as the way um, uh, it's described when you see something happening in a parking lot. When I was in high school, I worked at a grocery store. It's now went out of business. It was called Del Champs. I was in Hoover, Alabama, one of my first jobs. And I was a bag boy. You know, they don't really have bag boys anymore, but I bagged your groceries. And then when the buggies got low, there was a little marker. When it got below the little marker, I had to go out in the parking lot and go pull buggies. And I had to wear red suspenders. Doing This is back in the 90s, mid-early 90s. This is what we wore, red suspenders doing this. And I would go out there, and I learned something at grocery store parking lots. Do you know what happens at a grocery store parking lot all the time? People have accidents all the time. Every day, I'm not kidding, there's somebody backed into a pole, or they hit another car, or they hit a buggy. Or a buggy went wild and went and hit a car. And, I mean, do you know if a buggy dents a car, they want to sue the grocery I mean, they literally have gotten that 1-800 number off the billboard, and they're ready to sue the grocery store. The manager, I was so used to it, I already knew, because it was on a hill, the grocery store, the parking lot. Anyway, um, there was a story one time of this man. He backed up, and he hit another car. It was parked. And everybody saw him. It was a grocery store parking lot. And everyone witnessed. I mean, he, there was some damage, big dent in another car. And, you know, when something happens, what people do is they stop and they stare. Like, oh, my goodness, that man just hit that car. What is he going to do? So this man hops out of his car. He pulls out a little pit pad and a pen. He walks over because we don't know whose car it is. And he's, everybody's watching him. He can't get away with it. He can't drive off. So he's got to do something. 
So he walks over there, and he pulls out his notepad, and he's going to write a note. And he wrote, Dear Sir, Madam, I backed into your car. Everyone saw me. In fact, they're watching me write this right now. They think I'm going to leave my name and phone number. Good luck. He pulled it off, and he put it under the windshield, and he drove off. And the other people watching thought, what a good man. He left his name and his phone number so they know when they come out from the grocery store, they can call that guy and get their car fixed. He was doing it for show. In many ways, our restitution is like that. If nobody sees it, if no one's there, you really don't owe anything or have to pay. Just, just get in your car and drive off. But the Bible has a complete different story about that. So let's see what the Old Testament says. Numbers chapter 5. Numbers chapter 5, verse 5. We'll read three verses here. The Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites, when a man or woman commits any sin against another, that person acts unfaithfully to the Lord and is guilty. I think what's powerful about this verse here, do you know if we sin against each other, do you know who else is the real victim of that? The Lord is. If I sin against you, interpersonal relationship sin, God is actually hurt from our sin. So sin doesn't just involve us, it involves the Lord. Verse 6, or I'm sorry, verse 7. The person is to confess the sin he has committed. He is to pay full compensation, add a fifth of its value to it, and give it to the individual he has wronged. So what this means is, if I steal something from Daniel Williams and it's worth $100, I've ripped him off. He wasn't looking. He was up there playing the guitar. I stole something from him. And the cameras caught me. I'm busted. I now have to repay back that $100 or that item plus 20%, one-fifth of the value, which would be $20 of $100. So I'm paying him back that $20, that compensation, for his time, his energy, and the big mess he had to go through of collecting what I hurt and stole from him. The Bible commands us as believers, when we have sinned and we are wrong, we are expected to pay back at least one-fifth of that value. This is very much illustrated in the book of Luke Luke chapter 19. I want you to flip over because Jesus dealt with the man. He addressed someone who had to pay back what he had been stealing all of these years. I went to New Orleans seminaries where I went to school. And I remember moving down there. I got my schedule, and I didn't know any of the teachers. And I remember I had a class. I can't tell you the guy's professor's name because he's still alive. And this is being recorded. <clears throat> but this gentleman, I showed some of my friends, because I didn't know who these folks were, who their teachers were, and I was telling them, Mr. or Dr. So-and-so, and when I told them that, that who I had, this one gentleman in the class, they looked at me in wild eyes, goes, oh my goodness, bless your heart. I go, what? Well, what, what, what's wrong with this guy? They said, Dan, I used to be Dan, by the way, it's my name. That man has short man's disease. I looked at them. I go, what? Short man's disease? What is that? Oh, you'll see. Good luck in that class. 
it didn't take long in that class, like maybe the first 15 minutes, to figure out what short man's disease is. Short man's disease is when this fellow was a little guy. He was about the size of Lottie Moon. But he carried a big stick, and he hit you with that stick. He was a firm, strict man. And it was his way or the highway, and he very gladly let you know it was his way. And there was the highway right out there. And he was somebody that he was going to tell you what to do. And he was firm. And he was hard and strict. And I share that because he quickly got his class lined up uh, in there. And you understood what short man's disease is. There's a guy we're about to read who you could say suffers from short man's disease. His name's Zacchaeus. And he worked for the Roman government. This is important because this is what he did. Zacchaeus was Jewish, but remember during Israel, during Jesus' time, they had their land of Israel, but they had this country over them that protected them. The good thing about what Rome did is that Rome had a lot of land at that time, but they had to offer their military protection. And the names of Herod and Pilate, those were the Roman leaders there, over this area here where Jesus lived in Israel. The Romans kind of let the Jewish people do whatever they did with their, their Jewish laws, but they still had to pay Roman taxes. They still had to follow Roman rules because Roman rules superseded Jewish rules, according to their government. So what happened is a man named Zacchaeus, he worked for the Roman government. And do you know what they would do? They would promote people, the Roman government, who were very firm in their paying of taxes. So if I ripped some extra, if I ripped you off, if I worked for the Roman government and I collected taxes, if I charged you a little bit more and sent that on to Caesar in Rome, I got a promotion. They looked favorably to me. But the problem with that is all my friends who were also Jewish, Describe me as a traitor, because all I've been doing is ripping off my fellow, fellow friends and man. So this guy named Zacchaeus, he was the chief tax collector. That meant other tax collectors were under him. And he extorted money, and he took advantage of people. And people hated him. He had no friends. He was one of these guys that you just... You knew if you were around him, he's going to take your money, and then he's going to send it to Rome, and he's going to charge you extra. You just didn't. He's one of those guys you want to avoid. Well, Jesus is going to meet Zacchaeus. So turn in your Bible here. Zacchaeus is going to do something. Luke 19, verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. That's Jesus coming into Jericho. There was a man named Zacchaeus. Look at this, who is a chief tax collector, and he was rich. You know how, why he was rich? It wasn't because he was a good businessman. It's because he stole and he ripped people off. And the thing is, the Jewish people couldn't do anything about it. Because who are they going to tattletale on? The, the Roman, Roman Caesar? Caesar is the one who's he's profiting off of Zacchaeus. So the more money Zacchaeus can get from the people and send it to Rome, the better Zacchaeus is in their mind. 
He was trying to see who Jesus was. But look at this. But he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man, so he probably had short man's disease. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus. We have a picture here of a sycamore tree. This here is a sycamore tree. It's not very, you remember, it's a short man's disease. You can see, this is a limb. I say, Dan, that's a really short man. That limb's like 18 inches off the ground. I just wanted to show you an example. Sycamore's trees have very low limbs, so even a little guy could climb up that limb there. Guys, there's like humor in these stories. Oh, God, like, you, there, the limb, I'm sure, was higher than that, that the one he climbed up. But sycamore trees have low limbs. So look what happens here. So look what he does. So he's going up the sycamore tree because Jesus is about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up. So Jesus is now standing under Zacchaeus. And he says, Zacchaeus, hurry down and come because today it's necessary for me to stay in your house. I mean, I'm going to your house. I want to tell you all why that's important. In Jewish rule, you were not allowed, Jewish law did not allow you to enter someone whose house was unclean or a Gentile's house. Now, the problem with that is Zacchaeus wasn't a Gentile. But remember, he worked for a Gentile government. Jesus could go into Zacchaeus' house because Zacchaeus was Jewish. But people hated Zacchaeus because he taxed them and he worked for the Roman army, the Roman, uh, Roman government. So, Jesus is doing something that no Jewish person would go into Zacchaeus' house. You don't even like this guy. If you went in there, he might ask to take more of your money. So why would you go? So Jesus is going to go to someone's home where the gospel needs to be shared. So look what happened. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. Now look at this, verse 7. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. I mean, Jesus is a religious teacher going around preaching the gospel. And now, all of a sudden, here we see Jesus going into this guy's house and the folks start griping. They're griping because Jesus is associating with this low life. That's what they're thinking. How on earth? Jesus is supposed to get rid of the Roman government and push back on Caesar. Now he's at this guy's home. Now look what, look what happens here. Verse 8. Zacchaeus does something. and It says here, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord. I think it's, don't miss this word stood. Zacchaeus was one of these guys. Remember, he's got his table and he collects money from you. And you thought the bill was going to be $100 and $175. It's like going to the DMV. It's always going to be more and more. It's just, gosh, the price just go up. Taxes always go up. So that's how the folks felt with Zacchaeus. They're charging me an arm and a leg. And he had probably had many kind comments said to him throughout the years. Because when he tells them how much they owe, people probably cuss him out. They probably threaten him. They probably, I mean, just go on down the list of how much they do not like him. So he's one of these guys, he had, he had been able to take a hit over time. And here he is at his own house, and probably no one ever comes to this guy's house, 
And now they're mocking this guy because Jesus is at his house. So he's able to stand there. He doesn't, back, he doesn't slink back and just take it. He boldly stands there and takes the hits. And look what he does. But Zacchaeus stood boldly, and he said to the Lord, he spoke up to Jesus, and he says, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord, and if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Half the possessions. He used to steal from the poor. Now he's going to give back to the poor. He was supposed to pay 20% based on Numbers chapter 5, and he knew that. But he's now going to pay back 400%. And I want to tell you, he had been stealing from people. That's how he had gotten wealthy. Because he could do anything he wanted to. And what we see here, this man, Jesus went after him. He went after the guys who had no friends, who were rejected, who were despised, who were hated. And Jesus says, I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to extend grace to this man that every single other person has rejected. And this man responded to the grace and the love that Jesus extended to him with restitution. Now look what Jesus says in reply of this. Look at verse 9. It's the key verse. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham, meaning he's Jewish. What that means, salvation has come to this house. And he said the word today, up until this point, this man was lost, but Zacchaeus is now saved. And Zacchaeus is saved because... He practiced the discipline of restitution. He had been stealing all of these years. He had been taking advantage and cheating people out. But now, this man is different. And I think what we see is a changed life is going to be a life very similar to Zacchaeus. You were once a thief. You were once taking advantage of people. You were once one of those guys that only gave verbal uh, apologies. And here's why restitution is so important. If you go and you've done something wrong, it's easy to just say, I, you know, I'm so sorry I accidentally stole that $100 or I broke your stuff or this occurred in your life. Listen, I, I offer my apologies. I hope you have a good day. And you pat them on the shoulder and you leave. Well, that leaves Daniel here wondering, well, that was, I guess, nice that he apologized, but I'm left with this mess. Like, he didn't really help me, but you question the sincerity and the genuineness of what he just said. When all you do is apologize and you don't offer any restitution, you don't extend at least the repay it back or even the 20% or 400%. You're leaving people wondering, desiring, did he really mean it? Did she really care when she said, I'm sorry? You don't want to have the lingering question that continues on about your genuineness if you felt what you did was wrong. 
That's the problem with only words. Words are cheap. Words can just, you know, they go so far. Salvation came to this man's house when he put, when he put money where his mouth was. He says, I'll show you how, how I've changed. I'm going to give everything I own back to the poor. Half of it to the poor. I'm going to pay back 400% to those I've been stealing from. My whole life has been a life of being a thief. But now, because of Jesus, I'm a changed man. I believe in this man's message, and you're going to see a difference. Zacchaeus is in heaven today. We know there's one bossy man in heaven. That, That will be Zacchaeus up there. Look at this last verse. Verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. The mission of Jesus is to go and to save the lost. Now, I've put this in the context of stealing possessions, stealing money, breaking things. Let's think about this in the context of relationships. Think about if you've hurt someone. This whole month we're talking about restoration. So you've hurt somebody. So what do you do? I'll give you an example. Let's just say, I'll, I'll use the men as an example. Let's say a man were to come to me. And he commits adultery. He's cheated on his wife. He made a mistake. He regrets it. He realizes he sinned against the Lord. He wants to restore his marriage. He's offered apologies to his wife. She wants to restore her marriage. She never wanted to end her marriage. Nobody wanted this. We've made a mistake. They're asking for forgiveness, or he's asking for forgiveness. She's struggling with returning that forgiveness. If that man were to come to me and say, Dan, what, what do I do about this? How can I show her that I've changed? I realize what I've done is wrong. It's broke the seventh commandment. Do not commit adultery. I've broken my marriage vows. I would tell that man, I'll tell you what I'll tell them. I would say, sir, you certainly do need to ask for forgiveness. You need to extend all your apologies. You can get on your knees and do all that. But you need to start the process of rebuilding trust. Because all relationships are based on trust. All marriages are based on trust. You have to trust your spouse. They should not wonder all the time, I wonder what she's up to. I wonder what he's doing wonder where they are. You should not have to feel your spouse is spying on you all the time. That means there's a lack of trust if you're having to be a spy, if you're a detective. I would tell that gentleman, I'd say, sir, what you need to do is you need to give her every single password, every single social media account you have. You would need to give her your phone so she can log in anytime she wants. She needs to see your every banking account information, the password, so that anywhere you go on the computer, on your phone, on the computer at work, where you've gone and spent money, there's total accountability, total transparency in your life so that she and she could have access at any time for any reason she wants to look into what you're doing. There's truly no secrets. Listen, secrets breed sin. People who have a secret life, I promise you, there's a reason it's secret. 
There's a reason it's password protected. There's a reason they're trying to keep something away from someone else. When you live a life of transparency and total accountability, with your spouse or whoever you're trying to rebuild trust with can, for whatever reason, no questions asked, look into that person, what they're up to, that is on the process of restoration and rebuilding that trust. That is restitution. Because what you're doing is you're paying back your spouse. You're paying back your family. You're saying, I am now a changed man. In the past, I was secretive. But now, I'm an open book. When you have nothing to hide, you should not be ashamed of seeing what you're up to. What do you have to hide? There's nothing to hide. Listen, God already knows if you, want, if you want friendships and you want a marriage and you want relationships and you want to have children and children want to have parents that are transparent, every relationship can be restored in that area of openness and accountability. And I think what we see here in the Bible, if you have two areas of your life, of maybe you know, have some friends, or you have family members, and there's a brokenness, there's a breach of trust, you need to be able to say, all right, I'm not just going to give you an apology, I'm going to give you an open book. You can see everything about me, because I have nothing to hide. And secondly, over here, if you have wronged someone and you have hurt someone and broken something taken advantage of someone we see the example of Zacchaeus folks he paid back 400 percent he had been extorting money that's signs of a changed life the process of restoration shows if you're saved it shows if you're saved a, a saved husband that's cheated on his wife, he's going to come in there with a completely different, transparent attitude, willing to do anything. The man that's been stealing, who's a thief, and by the way, the Bible says thieves do not go to heaven, who's been stealing and cheating his whole life, he goes to heaven when he doesn't just say, I'm sorry, he returns and pays back more to how much he's been stealing. Have you been stealing from someone? You've been stealing from your parents? You've been taking advantage of friends? A sign of a changed life is when you go back to that person and say, I'm going to pay it back. I'm embarrassed to tell you all this, but when in middle school, we had a, a drug store called Big B Drugs. It went out of business. Like everywhere I've gone, been out of business. Big B Drugs went out of business. When I was in middle school, I stole something from that store. You don't know what it was? It was a Zippo lighter. I don't know why. You know, I don't even smoke. I, I didn't smoke even then. I stole it. I got saved when I was 15 years old. That's how old I was. God, and that was like two or three years prior. I was like 12 or 13. I went back to that store. I, I, I didn't have a lighter at that point. I went in there. This is back in the 90s. So they didn't cost as much. And I walked up to that counter. 
I was 15, 16 at that point. And I said, ma'am, and she had to think I was a nut, but I didn't care. I said, I stole something several years from here, but since then I've gotten saved and I've turned my life around. Here's a $5 bill. It was a Zippo lighter. I walked out. And she just looked at me and said, well, thank you. That's an example of a changed life, Broadway Baptist. Have you ever stolen something? Because what happens is, God convicts you of that. If you have cheated something of someone, Zacchaeus is the example. Look at verse 9. Last verse, I want to go back to verse 9 up here. This is what happens if you don't do it. Today, this is Jesus speaking. Salvation has come to this house. A changed man is a saved man. And it's not just verbal apologies. When God changes you, you will go back and you will pay back. You go to your spouse and say, here, here it is. Here's, you can see everything I'm up to. A life of total transparency. Christ is calling us. The restoration process. Do you show to folks that you have changed? If you have done something wrong to someone, you owe them plus at least, according to Old Testament, 20%. New Testament, Zacchaeus paid 400%. We should not be those people that leave people wondering, well, he apologized, but I just don't know how genuine he really was. I'm asking you this morning to take the principle of restitution serious in your spiritual life. This will cause a breakthrough. Your relationships with others and your relationship with God will radically change when you start paying back what you've wronged others. Jesus, I pray this evening that we look at our lives and we say, what have I, what have I done that is wrong? Who do I owe back? God, search deep within my heart and show any area that I have robbed, stolen, or cheated someone. Lord, I want you to be able to say, today salvation has come to this house. Lord, my, our relationship with you is more important than anything else, any possession. God, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here that needs to get right with you and practice the spiritual discipline of restitution, they will do so today, this week. They'll pay back what they've been, who they've wronged or what they've been hurt, who they've been stealing from. This is what Christians do. Lord, this invitation, if there's anybody here that needs to receive the salvation that you offered to Zacchaeus, the same salvation saves us. I pray this invitation, this time of response will not pass by. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We close every single worship service here with invitation. I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to stand down front. You can respond to the gospel. You can make a decision to follow Jesus this afternoon.
Amen. You can have a seat for just a moment. We are thankful that you were here. We're glad you joined us this morning for Broadway 1109. We are uh, excited about what all is going on in the future. Uh, and we want to remind you of a couple things in particular that are going on. Uh, don't forget, if you're a college student, right after we finish up in here, we've got lunch straight, behind, straight underneath us in the fellowship hall. If you're new, you can head out these back doors.